Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Alright, Grave Plot Podcast with your host, Skeletoni. And Taylor of Terror. What if I did the whole podcast in that voice? Oh, I don't think I could take you for very long. Uh, so how are you doing? Not bad. Yeah. A little sad that uh, Halloween's over. Yeah, that's always a downer. Uh, it's something you look forward to all year, and then it's just done. But now we get all this time to look forward to it again. Yeah, and, you know, we've already started planning our costume for next year. <laughs> It'll change a dozen times by then, but... Oh, sure, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, we and I... Or, you and I got together for a party at my sister's house. Um, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, we were, as we mentioned, we were Gomez and Fester Adams. We won best couple. Of course. Was that three years running? Yeah. Well, not consecutive years, but. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. It was a good that, time. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. I, uh, you know, last week or last episode, you called this the Halloween hangover. <laughs> I definitely had one of those. <laughs> yeah, you were shitty. Yeah. I cost- wasn't exactly bright eyed and bushy tailed myself. But- right. Yeah, I was cognate enough to, uh, to know that you'd had a little mu- much to drink, but. Um, you were a mess. I was a disaster. I think <laughs> I got worse after you left, too. I know we were, uh... You were barely conscious when I left. (laughs) I know we were driving home, and, uh, uh, my fiancé wanted to get some food before we actually got home, and we were sitting in the McDonald's driveway, and I'm just leaned up against the back of my chair, just going, like, Yeah, I, like, I woke up the next day, went to put my contacts in, and realized I had put them in my case backwards, and there were clothes just trailing to the bedroom. (laughs) I just kind of went, meh, meh, meh. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was wearing that big robe, and I just, I came into the living room, I kicked off those big-ass boots I was wearing, and just... Took the robe and threw it. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so what else did you get up to Halloween-wise? Um, Halloween night, well, Halloween day, we had a, uh, like a costume parade at work. Um, and you know, had a cubicle decorating contest and a, um, candy jar, you know, guess how many candies, mm. and a spooky dessert, which I was very upset I didn't win, because I, all the, co- uh, the um, all the comments I got were really positive, and I didn't hear any comments on the one that won, which was a cake that literally looked like doo-doo. <laughs> it was just like two different kinds of chocolate, and it was just kind of... On top of each other. Was that the idea? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> but maybe. Fuck. I made... They're called Dracula Dentures. And it's 
two chocolate chip cookies with red frosting and marshmallows to look like teeth, and then almond slivers for fangs. That's creative. They come up with that, or do you find it somewhere? Uh, my girlfriend found it on probably Pinterest or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cute. And then Halloween night, we just we went to a bar and um, people watched, looked at all the costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my fiance and I uh, we went to the Nightmare Beaver Lake. Uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, we actually went there the night before Halloween and. It was a lot of fun. Um, they just seem to kind of get bigger every year. Uh, just adding more stuff. Uh, they get more creative. Uh, it almost seems like they might have more funding every year, which I kind of doubt. But just their production value gets really, really good. Like pretty much every time I go, and uh, that's great. Yeah, definitely. And it's something I didn't mention. It's entirely volunteer. Like 100% volunteer, uh, which I think is uh, just fantastic that they have so many people willing to volunteer, you know, several hours of their night for two weeks or however long it lasts. It's fun. It, it is really fun. I, I wanted to do it this year, but just uh, having to assemble my costume and and uh, me living not necessarily close to it, it just uh, uh, kind of became more trouble than I could manage. But uh, anyways, they had a lot of cool things. Uh, they had uh, this one scene, you walk through it, and, you know, there's this guy that, that comes out and he's like, hey, guys, welcome to Camp Beaver Lake. And, you know, there's all these little tents set up in this little grass area. And, uh, you know, I've got all these little kids walking around, you know, covered in blood, look like they've been attacked by something. And so, are, you, are you here to take me home? <laughs> it's like... Uh, I mean, it's like you don't know how much you should interact with these people. Right. So it just gets awkward. But uh, so you just keep walking on this trail, and this this guy is dressed as Jason. Essentially, he jumps out of the bushes, and but not Jason for copyright purposes, right? <laughs> um, but that was pretty good. We went through this one. Uh, I don't know, it kind of looked like it was a kind of a doctor's office almost. There's this girl, like, chained up, and, you know, she's playing possum, basically just chained up to the ceiling and passed out. And, like, as soon as you walk in, she wakes up and starts jingling the chains, and, you know, she's all eviscerated, you know, her guts are hanging out from her stomach, and... Uh, and then the lights go out. And as soon as they come back on, this crazy doctor, butcher guy, whatever he is, jumps out at you. And that, that actually got me. Nice. And, you know, I was expecting it and it still got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's this other thing where it, it looked like it was kind of a tomb of some sort or like a catacomb type thing. Um, it was really short. It was just kind of like a little 
stand in the middle of the trail. Um, but we walk in, you know, my fiance and I were holding hands and we walk in and this girl, I think it was a girl, was standing at the front. You know, she's got her face painted like a skull wearing a white robe. And uh, she, you know, got her hands and kind of like a praying uh, in front of her. And then she guides me to her to her right. And so we start walking that way. And she puts her hand down between me and my fiance <laughs> and tells her to go the other way. Uh, there's two paths. Tells her to go the other way. And my fiance she's like, no. Uh, <laughs> Fuck <no."> you. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't go through. She walked around it. <laughs> and I think, because I just walked through and there wasn't anybody in there. I mean, it was there, there was like there was probably something in the other one. Yeah, I think the person in there. I think I saw them walk down the other path. So she would have been for in for a surprise if she had gone through. Um, That's what they were going for, I'm sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and then the thing I like about it is, you know, they've got all these little scenes along the trail, but once you get to the end. There's actually the big haunted house. Oh wow! Yeah, um, like this big house facade, and you know it's it's at a a park. So what they did is is this big covered picnic area, which they make into the haunted house. You know they put the facade on the outside. Um, you know they even put like. Um, ceiling or uh, roof tiles or um, shingles and stuff on the top and and yeah you just get guided through this house uh, um, the rooms were pretty good they're like they did a lot of the things where um, you couldn't tell if you're looking at a person or a statue or you know like a, like a dummy yeah. made up and I I hate that because when somebody's really still and you've you know got like dim lighting or uh, strobe light you can't tell <laughs> that was our big thing at the uh at the scaregrounds uh-huh. the guy who ran it he was very into like not everything has to be jumping out at you mm-hmm. he goes sometimes you could just get in people's heads by just standing still and then when they walk by kind of move your head a little just yeah. to make them think you know did that happen did i did i imagine that or uh-huh. yeah we had this obnoxious little group of teenagers behind us and uh we were walking through and like Walk past this figure in a robe carrying a sickle, like a, you know, or like a big ass uh, scythe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like full black robes, you know, covering the face and everything. Um, just standing there at the end of a hallway, you know, go to the end of this hallway and you turn left and continue on. Just standing there. Didn't move an inch when we walked past it, but these teenagers behind us they're like is that real and another one's like no no it's not real and then as soon as they walk up the guy like stomps <laughs> his uh his scythe on the ground just like boom and uh scared the shit out of him <laughs> and there's this like i think it was actually one of the first rooms in in the house um you go in you, you open the door and you go into this room and 
you've got all these girls, these little girls walking around. You know, they're all painted up, wearing black. And they said, we don't know how to get out of here. Can you help us get out? And they're playing it off really well. It's, you, it's almost like, are you part of the show or are you here? Because, you know, there are a lot of people in costumes there uh, that weren't actually working. They're just there wearing their Halloween costumes. Mm-hmm. Um so they come up to us and they say, we don't know how to get out. Can you help us? And I think I may have heard my fiance say, say, well, you can follow us if you want. <laughs> and so we're walking around and we, uh, it kind of does a you and you open this door and you're, you open it into oncoming people. It's like, whoa, is there two overlapping paths through this house that kind of merge here? And then we kind of follow those people, and the girl comes up to us again and said, we're lost, we don't know how to get out, can you, can you show us how to get out? I was like, and I actually said, oh god damn it, we're still in the same fucking room. <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm like, like looking at the walls, and I finally see a door to get out, and the little asshole teenagers behind us are like, oh, there was a door there the whole time. <laughs> um, I knew it. And uh, so we walk out. And one cool thing is uh, we walk out through the end of the house, and, you know, we're walking outside, and, you know, we can see the lines for the shuttles to take us back to the parking areas and, and all the, you know, the photo booths and the concessions and stuff like that. So, okay, okay we're done. And, you know, there's this one person dressed up in construction gear. It's like, all right, everyone move along. Just stay out, stay on the path. Don't come over here. Dead bodies over here. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's cute. And then this, I, I couldn't see it because of the lights, but this Mack truck, the lights flip on, and you hear burr, and, like, it starts lurching towards you. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was freaky. Um, you know, I couldn't tell if it was just a, a gag or if it was actually like a full <laughs> truck. It seems like it might be a little bit of liability if it was right, a whole yeah. truck, but it was so dark I couldn't tell, and, you know, I had the headlights coming in my face. Um, but, uh, no, it was a good show. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, was, uh, I know you had intended to come with us, but... Uh, Things got in the way. But, uh, yeah, it's too bad you couldn't be there. But, yeah, definitely have to uh, look into that next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll be going so we could uh, do a foursome. But anyway. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> we just got to talk the girls into it. Um, anyway, so good Halloween. Good Halloween. Cool, cool. Okay. Well, let's move on to the news. not the results of mass hysteria. First eyewitness accounts of this grisly development came from people who were understandably frightened and almost incoherent. Officials and newsmen at first discounted there was eyewitness descriptions as being beyond belief. However, the reports persisted. Medical examinations of some of the victims bore out the fact that they had been partially devoured. So, the big news... Well, big to us that we're very excited about is Trick or Treat Two is happening. Yes, 
They they duped us all. They said, you know, maybe if if the showing goes well, we'll think about it. Right. And then at the showing, uh, somebody asked. I don't know if it was a plant or, but somebody asked, "Is there going to be a sequel?" And Michael Doherty said, "Well, that's not up to me. It's up to Legendary Pictures." Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys from Legendary stands up in the crowd, says, "I can't say no to Sam. Let's <laughs> make a sequel." Awesome. And then they they threw up the on the, the, on the title screen. card. Yeah, the title card. It was obviously already prefab. So. Yeah. That you know, it was obviously planned already. So, but it is um, a go. Um, so I was reading. I mean, obviously, this is something they just recently decided on. Must have been because it's still in pretty early development. Um, I don't think they. Have, I think Michael Doherty said that there's no script yet. Um, so they're still working that out. I'm sure he's got a plan. Oh, sure, sure. It's something he's been thinking about for, you know, four years or more. Oh, yeah, this is his, yeah, you know, uh, the whole trick-or-treat, I don't want to say franchise, but that dream, that's his baby, so he's not gonna, just going to give up on it. Um, but something I was reading that I found pretty interesting was that he wants to explore different time periods and traditions, like... <clears throat> One thing I was saying, like, you know, the Halloween traditions in a suburban community may be different than the ones in, in like, a city environment or in a rural environment. You know, those rules and traditions might be different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's saying in the the original movie that he mainly focused on it's kind of historical traditions. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to kind of expand on that. And um, and he, he said he wanted to do uh, different time periods, too. Like, not necessarily modern times, like, you know, this, this past one was. Uh, but, you know, maybe go back to, you know, the early 1800s, back when yeah. Halloween was, you know, actually something to... Ward off demon, or you know the 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 practices and the traditions they actually meant something back then, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting, I think, to see like um, other countries too. Yeah, yeah. Like do like a Mexican storyline that revolves around Dia de, Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. or you know how they do Halloween in Ireland or something. Yeah, yeah, it'd yeah. Be cool to see different different traditions as far as other cultures go. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I mean, going back, I mean, because, you know, um, the traditions of uh, Samhain, they're old Celtic beliefs, you know, Celtic and pagan beliefs. Right. Um, So, yeah, like Ireland, that'd be cool to go back and, like, um, maybe medieval Ireland or, you know, maybe a little more current than that, but make Sam a jet setter. (laughs) <laughs> um, I discovered, like, I know I've always heard him referred to as Sam O'Lantern. Something I saw was that his name is actually Sawin. See, that was what I always thought, too. I never heard Sam O'Lantern. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe it's just me, then. Um, But, yeah, really excited about this. I, yeah, this is, I mean... Every episode we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope it doesn't take 
you know, was it three years for the, like the original took to get a video release? Yeah, I mean, the original was done in 2007 and didn't hit DVD till 2009. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm hoping that the cult following that it's developed kind of helps push it along. So I, I feel like it will. Yeah. It would be interesting, too, if it comes out in theaters. It'd be interesting cool. that there would be a DVD, you know, straight DVD release, and then the sequel is in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do fear, though, is because, well, right now it's got a cult following, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, people like us, it's our own little secret, you know. Right. I, getting mashed distribution... Uh, and it becoming this new fad. That's that's one thing that I'm kind of. Yeah, I hope about. it doesn't become over commercialized. Yeah, because uh, I mean, some something like, uh, well, let's let's take like Jason or or Freddy, even, you know, that those were kind of cult films back in the day, and now they're so popular just because they've become kind of American horror culture. Uh, and now you go to like these um, Halloween store websites or in the store themselves, and you see like oh, sexy Freddy Krueger, right. sexy Jason costumes. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, so I just don't want to see something like that happen with Trick or Treat. Yeah, seeing a, uh, a slutty Sam costume would be <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know how you can make that sexy. Well, who would have thought you could make Jason sexy? Well, it's it's like a hockey jersey with a foam mask. It's not even a Jason costume. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's a hockey jersey with Jason's mask on it. So maybe just like orange lingerie with a burlap sack over your head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. New uh, new definition of endosperm. <laughs> All right. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Speaking of very exciting sequels, finally announced, finally official, Army of Darkness 2 is happening. Yeah! Bruce is back. Raimi is back. Yes. The band is back together, as they say. I'm over the moon about this. I'm so excited. And, you know... History has proven that Sam Raimi is kind of the king of stalling. So I'm really hoping that I'm not, you know, in my mid-30s before this finally comes out. Um, I mean, you know, Bruce has only got so many more years left in him. I mean, uh, I think I raised uh, 55. So, I mean, he's not, you know, old. Well, he's, he's not like an old man, but he's, he's getting up there. Yeah. Um, but really excited to see this. Have you heard anything about a premise? No, nothing at all. Because there was the alternate ending to the original Army of Darkness where he came out of the cave. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really wondering if it's going to be around that. Because that seems like the most logical step. But it's weird to make a sequel off an alternate ending. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, I guess, because, you know, Evil Dead 2 kind of took... It, it was kind of a, I call it a sideways sequel to where or they took the essential premise of the first one and took elements of it and made a sequel that was 
kind of a remake. Right. So I'm wondering if, you know, they just kind of ignore the ending that they used and, and use the alternate ending uh, for Army Darkness, too. Which, if, if they do that, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Army Darkness come back out on DVD or like a new Blu-ray that features the alternate ending. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, especially smaller uh, companies like um, I think Anchor Bay is the distributor right now. Uh, you know, they're going to try and cash in as oh, much sure. as they can. And, uh, you know, as much as I love Raimi's earlier work, I know he loves to cash in, too. Um, so I'm sure they'll be trying to pull as much money out of this as they can. On a semi-related note, uh, Fide Alvarez, you know, at first, uh, was this, um, Rodo Segoyas? Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Uruguayan names. I assume he's Uruguayan. I would assume so too, yeah. yeah. Um, cause I know, I know Fede Alvarez is, so. Right. Uh, so he announced that he and Alvarez weren't doing Evil Dead anymore. Right. He said they, they've been off the project for months. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, people, well, you know, like, like us to an extent and people that just loved the remake, uh, they were obviously not too thrilled about the idea that... Well, yeah, everyone was very concerned that the sequel might not even happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean... And if it did, it wouldn't have the feel of the of the original because it would have a different director, different writers. Yeah. I mean, uh, Alvarez, he was hand-picked by Raimi and Campbell. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't f- think they could have captured... Uh, I don't want to say magic, but that's the same feel of the original. I don't think they could have redone that with a different director or writer. And it would have at least delayed the project, at least, I'm sure, because uh, yeah. Alvarez it took like two or three years for them to finally find a director that they liked. Uh-huh. So, you know, if, if Raimi and Campbell had to go back to the drawing board and do that all over again, you're looking at, you know, possibly another two to three year delay before yeah. they can even start filming. Yeah, and... uh you know, this came out, I, I wouldn't say even a full week, uh, after the, uh, Army of Darkness announcement. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it was even a full week before this was announced that, uh, Alvarez and, I'm just gonna say Roto, um, <laughs> that they weren't doing Evil Dead 2 anymore. Um, but, just a few days later, I thought it was the same day. Was it the same day? I thought so. Oh. Maybe the next day. Maybe it was. Uh, Alvarez comes out on Twitter and basically says, don't believe everything you read online. Which is so weird, because this isn't like a rumor. This isn't, you know, third hand. This is straight from his partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm reading this. You know, I actually, I guess it must have been the next day, because I remember I told you the next day. Um, or, I, you know, I sent you that link. Uh, yeah, saying don't believe everything you read online, and uh, I read kind of read further into it, and I, th- er, Alvarez is saying that uh, I think what he, Roto must have been saying was that since we're doing Army of Darkness two, we you know Sam wants to focus on that first because I th- you know the intention is to make Army of Darkness two, 
Evil Dead to, and then cross do a crossover with the two stories. So, um, I think maybe his buddy may have misspoke and just said that we're not doing Evil Dead two right now. Maybe something got lost in translation. Maybe his English isn't very good. (laughs) Maybe. so it's out for all you listening. Don't panic. It, um, F- uh, Fide Alvarez and Rodos uh they're still doing Evil Dead 2. Wait, well, do we know that Roto is doing it? Maybe Roto's just off it. Well, he said, uh, Fide and I both, like he said that both of them weren't involved. Um, I got the impression that he's still on board. All right. So basically, nobody knows what the hell's going on. I guess when you really boil it down, yeah. Nobody knows for sure what's going on. But So Evil Dead 2 will happen unless it doesn't. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if it does, it will be after Army of Darkness 2. Right. Which, knowing Sam Raimi, may be in about five years. So, But either way, we're excited about both of them. Yes. Um, I, I don't really know... I mean, like like you said, they could use the alternate ending of Army of Darkness, but if, you know, supposing they don't, you know, Ash is back in the present, mm-hmm. um, I don't know where they could go from there. Yeah, I mean, they, they really could go anywhere, because the original ending, you know, had him at S-Mart, and the, the witch or dead-eyed or whatever came in, he shot her. So I guess that could have been some kind of new possession that just takes over somehow. Or, I mean, is there going to be a time lapse? Because... I hope so. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be weird if all of a sudden there's 60-year-old Ash. Yeah, I don't know how they can explain <laughs> the same that, thing. that he suddenly looks 20 years older, you know? <laughs> He's suddenly got a paunch and gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of wonder almost if he might try to trim down a little bit because, you know... Well, Bruce is packed on the pounds a little, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Sam Axe is a little bit heavier than Ash was. Yeah. And I almost wonder if that was part of the Sam Axe role. Was yeah. I was wondering that, too. Yeah. Oh, and you, for those of you that don't know, uh, we're talking about Burn Notice. Uh, Bruce Campbell, he was uh, a former Navy SEAL on that show, and uh, he just kind of had that retired look about him, you know. So somebody's just living off the government, sipping mojitos in Miami Beach. So they like, like we said, not really sure if that was just supposed to be the look or. If uh, he didn't. He didn't look that big. And my name is Bruce. It's true. Uh, yeah, it looked like me. He, yeah, looked like he may have trimmed down a bit for that. But of course, that was what three, four years ago. Yeah. So. But he was already on burn notice by then. It's true. I'm just saying when you when you, when you get older, the the pounds start to pack on uh, exponentially. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess we uh, we both know that at this point. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um. Anyway, so looking forward to that. We'll keep you posted on it as we hear about it. Moving on, um, Walking Dead has been renewed for season five. Yeah, and I like how the guy, um, I forget his name, uh, uh, you know, one, one of the, the big guys at uh, AMC says in the uh, the most anticlimactic announcement of the year, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Walking Dead has been renewed for season five, and 
Um, looks like uh, a lot of the big wigs are still sticking around. Um, Scott Gimple, he's going to stay showrunner. Even though he's like the 17th showrunner that yeah. the show has had. <laughs> I miss Frank Darabont. Uh, who doesn't? I mean, it's not just TV. It's TV, TV with Frank, Frank Darabont. Darabont. Um, who knows where this show would be right now if, if he was still around. Yeah, really. I mean, he, I don't even know if it was necessarily him that had the vision, but he brought in people that had the vision. Yeah. Um, I mean, may have had all different writers and, you know, there, there may have not been some, so much criticism of it. Yeah. Cause I don't know if you, uh, saw that, um, George Romero finally broke his silence on his opinion of Walking Dead. No, I didn't. What did he say? Uh, he said that it's essentially a soap opera with a zombie every now and again. And that, uh, he, he just doesn't really like, uh, that, like, like you said, like I said, there's basically a soap opera with no message. You know, George, he loves his political messages and, and social commentary. It's like, you know, I'm reading this. I'm like, fuck you, George. Not everything has to be about politics, you know? It's just a fucking show. Yeah. But uh, my main beef with it this season is that it's. I feel like a lot of the drama is gone because they're very ho-hum about the zombies now. Mm-hmm. It's just commonplace. It's just a part of life now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who who can say if that would be real i mean after several years of this at this sure point. yeah i mean it's it's <clears throat> i'm sure after four years it is something you would kind of get used to mm-hmm. but for the sake of the show i feel like i feel like the drama is gone somewhat yeah yeah i can see that uh, i do feel like they're they're leading up to something big though because like the walls of the prison are starting to come in mm-hmm. and um you know clearly something is going on behind the scenes someone is feeding the zombies and trying to Get them worked up, right? And uh, you know we've got this—it's uh, like a like a flu-like virus that's spreading right, around right. the prison and killing people. Well, this this flu is killing people off, and since you know, as we already know, everyone's already infected with the zombie plague. Mm-hmm. So, so you, anyone who dies, no matter how, right, automatically comes back. Yeah, so I mean, so the people in the prison—they've gotten the habit. Anyone that dies, you immediately knife them in the head mm-hmm. so they don't come back. But, you know, people die in their sleep from this flu, and, you know, it took them a while to kind of catch on to it. Um, you know, obviously they, they come back, and, you know, it seemed like when the season started up this season, or when things picked up this season, um, they'd kind of gotten in a way of life where the zombies, they'd, they'd pushed them out. You know, they weren't a big concern to them anymore. They'd kind of secured the prison to where they weren't, you know, worked out a system to where they could keep them at bay. Um, and so maybe, maybe that's why the drama's kind of gone is because they just, they'd worked out a life around the zombies. Yeah. Um, but now with this, with this flu, it's back inside. Yeah. And you know, the, the episode when, um, they're first finding out that this is going around and, that you know, zombies are getting inside somehow, and somebody's feeding zombies on the outside. Uh, Rick, he pulls his gun belt out of you know. I hadn't even noticed he hadn't, hadn't been wearing it, but he pulls his gun belt out of his toolbox. It's like, 
you know, he kind of put it on dramatically, like, oh, I haven't had to wear this in a long time. I, I'm hoping we're going to get Crazy Rick back. Yeah. Because that was, that was fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. When he was talking to the dead people and <laughs> making phone calls. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tyrese, he's starting to become a little bit of a loose cannon. Yeah, he's, um, he's kind of lost his shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that big motherfucker, you don't want him on your bad side, or you don't want to be on his bad side. Yeah. So, but I, I'm, all in all, I'm, I'm liking this season so far. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I want to say it's better than season two, but it's hard to be worse than season two. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's, so far it's probably been the second best season after season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I, would like to see them go outside the prison because it seems like I don't maybe that's just kind of a psychological thing they're trying to create for the viewer is just that closed in feeling but we haven't gone outside the prison very much yeah um and I I'd, I'd kind of like to see that well I'm wondering if they're going to be forced out of the prison that eventually the walls are going to come down and they they won't have that safety anymore yeah they, that could be and, you know, um, I think in the first episode when we talked about the Walking Dead coming back this season, the, the governor's still out there somewhere. Right. And so... Uh, Which, I mean, it, your first thought is obviously to think he's the one feeding the zombies. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they may have noticed him inside at some point by now, but... I mean, someone's doing it. Yeah. Um, I had my suspicions. Um, you think it's someone on the inside? Yeah. Well, I mean, we... For anybody that's current, um, you know, people are getting sick and dying, and you actually find a couple people, or uh, Tyrese finds a couple people that were actually burned alive mm-hmm. because they were infected. That was kind of what made him lose his shit. Yeah, yeah, and I had my suspicions of who that was, and they actually revealed on this most current episode uh, who did it, and I was wrong, um, but, uh, you know. The reveal was so anticlimactic, too. Yeah. It was yeah. like, did you do it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, as a matter of fact, I did. Um, so, as far as who's feeding them, I suppose this person I s- suspected originally could still be doing it. I, I kind of... Who do you suspect? I suspect... Um, oh, I don't know his name. He's, he's a new guy. Um, Bob? The, he's a black guy. Bob. Bob, okay. Um... Yeah, I, I suspect him because he's kind of weird. He is. He's hard to read. He's he's a little over friendly, I think. Yeah, like trying too hard to be helpful, and I'm always suspicious of people like that. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a hard read. Yeah, so I'm I suspect him uh, that may be feeding them. As far as motivation, I have no idea. Yeah, but um, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, we still got what ten episodes left. Oh, really? Is it that many? It was 13 episodes, and we were only three deep. Oh, cool. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, so yeah, Scott Gimple still showrunner for next season. Uh, Robert Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, Greg Nicotero, uh, all those folks are still on as uh, EPs. So, uh, I mean, for those of you happy with it, it should be more of the same. For those of you that aren't, it should be more of the same. <laughs> Um, but anyway, looking forward to it. Yeah.
Uh, another horror TV show uh, is coming out some fairly big news. American Horror Story is losing Jessica Lange. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bummer. It's it's kind of funny because the last episode we were talking about how she's kind of the powerhouse for the show. You yeah, know, she's how, like the face of the show. Yeah, and like we don't know how they can continue without her. But and then like two days later, two days later, yeah. <laughs> um, so not this season. She'll do one more season after this, mm-hmm. and then that's it for her. Yeah, and I, I hadn't heard this before until this news came out, but apparently she teased it a lot. She said that um, even, uh, I think she may have said it during Asylum, but she also said it, that Coven was going to be her last one. Um, but uh, now she's, she's, saying she's con- contractually obligated to do four seasons, um, and she said once those four are done that she's, she's done. How many are they signed on for? Like, are they renewed through X amount of seasons, or? I don't know. Um, I don't know if they had a deal with FX for a certain amount of seasons, or? Couldn't say. I'm not really sure. Um, but, I, I, like I said, I do know that she was on contract for four seasons. Um, or, maybe she had a contract for, like, the first season, and then... When, like she then she was on contract for like three more or something like that. Yeah, could be. Um, I don't know the finer details of that. But yeah, she, apparently she's been a real tease with this whole thing. So who knows if she's serious? She may be back. Um, it w- it would be weird to watch that show without her. Even though like even though it's you know every season is a different story, it would still feel different to not have her on there. Yeah. Um. I mean, at this point, you just kind of expect to see her there. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've got a lot of returning actors. Seems like a lot of the actors from this season are from the first season. Don't really see a lot from season two or uh, Asylum. Yeah. Um, I think Evan Peters is the only other one that's been in all three, right? Yes. Or, wait. No, no. Um, oh, the girl that plays Jessica Lane's daughter uh, Cordelia um, she was in all three she was uh, um, the psychic in the first one she was Jessica Lange's like psychic buddy oh yeah okay yeah so she I would like to see Zachary Quinto again yeah 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 I thought he he was really good in season one I know that um, uh, Dylan McDermott is going to be back right yeah I said that too. season I don't know in what capacity, but... This season? Um, yeah, yeah. He's, or, at least I think that's what I read. That, yeah, he's going to be back at some point this season. Um, I mean, who knows? Like I said, in what capacity or, or when, but we'll see. I like him as an actor. Is he nice in person? Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, uh, whether or not she stays past next season, we're just going to enjoy the time we do have with her. Yes. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. All right, and then uh, let's talk about some news coming out of um, uh, Dimension Films that... We're working on a Hellraiser remake, and Clive Barker is going to direct, and I, or no, sorry, he's going to write it, 
and possibly direct it. I, I, I believe he's going to direct it, but I don't know for sure. Um, Yay. And the really good news is Doug Bradley's going to be back to spin it. Well, we don't Hopefully. know. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know Clive Barker, he said he was talking to uh, Bob Weinstein and was um, basically said, I, I can't see anybody playing Pinhead but Doug. Yeah, anyone who saw Hellraiser Revelations can't see anyone else's right. Pinhead. Because <laughs> they stabbed themselves in the eye after watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have completely lost my faith in uh, in Hellraiser when I saw that. And, I, and you know, it, it made me sad that they just did it so they could hold on to the licensing rights. It's like, Either let it die or let it, you know, hand off to someone that can do something with it. Yeah. Don't just throw this bullshit together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Clive Barker's back, uh, writing and directing. It's weird to see a director remake his own movie. Yeah, especially with the original actor. I mean, assuming he is back. Um, I yeah, mean, it's weird that he would decide to do a remake instead of just another sequel. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, the, the way they, they took the whole series, it's like, it's so fucked up. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's at the point where it's like, it's so broken, you can't glue it together anymore, you just gotta throw it away and start from scratch. True. Good point. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so yeah, if Doug Bradley comes back, I mean, I don't, I don't see how this could be amiss. I mean, obviously the, anything past Hellraiser 2 was just awful. Uh, actually, I take that back. I liked Bloodlines, the one in space. Well, it wasn't entirely in space. And you like Jason X, too, though. Yep. Well, that was okay. <laughs> um, I like all the Jason movies to a certain extent, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Bloodlines wasn't entirely in space. Everybody says it's the one in space. But it's like, you put together the space sequences, and it's like maybe 15 minutes. <laughs> All right, all right. A lot of it, it actually it goes through different generations of this. The guy that create like Le Marchand, uh, the guy that created the the box, follows his family's bloodline. That's like, the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I like that one, but the really good ones are obviously the original and the sequel. Yeah. Um, anyone's past that or. Doo doo. Just they just got weird. Yeah. Weirder. Yeah, like that one where um it's like a drug that starts to make you see pinhead or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was going on. But not worth watching. Yeah. Whatever was going on. Um there's one with Lance Hendrickson, you know, when you got Lance Hendrickson in a movie you're really starting to just <laughs> scrape the bottom of the barrel. Oh, you didn't like Pumpkinhead? What? I thought you liked Pumpkinhead. Well I like Pumpkinhead. But I don't like Pumpkinhead too. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I mean, yeah. So let's hope that Doug Bradley's back because I think he's really the the kind of the magic behind the whole series. And let's hope that if he's not back, that Barker just scraps it. Let's hope so. Um, I don't know that he will because that's his baby. I don't think he's going to throw it away. Apparently, he's been having some pretty good success uh, success with them. Like comics and graphic novels. Oh, all right. Um, in the Hell Ra- Hellraiser uh, theme. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. Doug Bradley's no spring chicken. 
Uh, I mean, you know, all the all that white makeup you can only cover up age so much, you know. Yeah. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make! All right. Um, so. Have you checked out that uh, the NBC uh, show, uh, Dracula? I have not. I saw a promo for it, which was Dracula walking around topless. And it, <laughs> it, it, it was basically just, like, from his hips to his chest and said something about, like, this is worth watching or something. And I was like, yep, no interest in that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, I watched it. I mean, I, it's a couple episodes now. Um I mean, you know, we're recording this on Saturday, so the second episode was on yesterday. Um, I don't know. I think I gotta give it a couple more episodes before I can really pass judgment on it. It does it seem like it's geared towards women? Like, based on that ad, that was the impression I got, was that this is obviously geared towards women. So, which made me think, like, the first thing that popped in my head was True Blood. <laughs> which I don't think was originally geared towards women. Probably. But they not. realized that it was mostly women watching it, so the next thing you know, uh, uh, What's his name? The werewolf. Um, oh, um, Mangiello. Yeah, was walking around with his shirt off every episode. Yeah, and that, uh, that big ass Swede, uh, Scarsgard. Yeah, Scarsgard. Uh, um, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 all right. It it does seem like it may have elements to it that are obviously geared towards women, but maybe not the whole show necessarily. Um, we got um, Jonathan Reese Myers playing Dracula, and you know, it, it's weird because it has all the principal characters from the novel, and you know, I read the novel the first time uh, I was probably 10 years old when I read like the first my first time I read like the full unabridged version of Dracula. Um, and to this day, it's still one of my favorite books. Um, so I know that book pretty well, like in and out. So all like I know that all of, a lot of the, most of the principal characters are there. You got Dracula, obviously, Ben Helsing, obviously, Jonathan Harker, Mina Murray, um, uh, uh, Renfield. Um, I mean, you, you've got all those characters, um, but. They're all kind of in there in a different capacity. Uh, basically, the premise is that back, you know, 400 some odd years ago when Dracula was alive, uh, the Order of the Dragon, which was his clan, burned his wife alive. Um, not clear on why. I'm sure it was mentioned, but I guess I just didn't catch it. They burned his wife alive. And so, you know, I think the next episode is actually going to explain how he became Dracula. Um, but, so you go to modern, <laughs> modern Victorian England, <laughs> uh, uh, and he's actually been awakened from this iron coffin that he's been locked in. I mean, he, he's got like, Spikes going through like almost every square inch of them comes up from the bottom of the of the uh, the coffin. And you know it was weird because it was so it's almost like an Iron Maiden. 
Essentially, yeah, I think it was just mainly to kind of keep him locked in there. But it was it was like it was designed in a way to where he could get out if he needed to. Okay. <laughs> well, like like somebody could release him. It's like why would you design something? Yeah. Don't don't design something that can be reversed. Leave him locked in there. He's a bad guy. Right. Um, anyway, but you discover the one that releases him is uh, Abraham Van Helsing. You know his sworn enemy. Yeah. Um, That's weird. Yeah, and. We we jump forward uh, ten years from then, and <clears throat> Dracula has taken this persona of an American industrialist, uh, Alexander Grayson, uh, just trying to bring modern, you know, modern for Victorian times, modern science to England as far as like wireless energy, and he uh, he's all he's all doing doing all of this. Basically, the Order of the Dragon in, you know, what is present day has become like the, the, this, the central energy provider. You know, they, they, they control petroleum, um, and, you know, every kind of energy source there is, they control it. And so basically he's, he comes in with, uh, Van Helsing's backing because Van Helsing wants to take him down too. Um, he comes in providing this new technology that is basically going to eliminate any need for all these, you know, fossil fuels and things of that nature. So, <clears throat> interesting premise. Yeah, and, you know, of course, um, similar to the book, he discovers Nina Murray, reminds him of his wife, and, you know, instantly falls in love with her, saying, oh, this is my wife reincarnated. And she is somewhat involved with Jonathan Harker, who in the original, or, you know, in the book, um, he was a, he, he kind of worked for the bank. Uh, he was um, essentially a real estate agent. I mean, he, he went to Transylvania to help set up Dracula's uh, British interests, you know, help him acquire Carfax Abbey. Um and so, but in this TV show, he is a journalist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not even close. No. But in this past episode, he actually does hire, or Dracula does hire him as his attache to kind of help him with his business matters, you know, because uh, because he's a journalist, he kind of has, like, some insider knowledge about these people that run the petroleum industry and you know, these different interests to help him take down the Order of the Dragon. Um, and uh, he and, you know, Jonathan Harker and Mina Murray, they're, they're very close friends. They seem like they do have an interest in each other, but they're not engaged like they are in the book. So, like I said, a lot of the same principal characters, but different arrangement. So do you like it so far? Like I said, I gotta give it a couple more uh, episodes. Uh, I'm not turned off to it, but it hasn't really captured my interest fully. You know? Yeah. I, I found myself, like while I was watching it, I found myself doing a lot of other things. Mm. Like, you know, running around, uh, you know, maybe doing the dishes. So it didn't necessarily grab your attention? Uh, it didn't have me glued to the screen. 
Right. No. But I think maybe somebody that wasn't so versed in in Dracula and the Dracula lore may be more interested in it. You know, maybe somebody that has some interest in vampires. You know, you know who would probably really love this. You know, I don't want to compare it, but people that like True Blood, people that like Twilight, they'd probably really like this show just because they're not versed in like true vampire lore, and they just know Edward Cullen. Yeah. Um, so they they might be more glued to it than I would, um, but. I don't, I don't hate it, but it hasn't really grabbed me fully yet. So I'll give it a couple more episodes to, to make a you know a, a good judgment on it. But I didn't feel like you just gave me any reason to watch it, so I'll probably continue to not watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you know if it uh, picks up. All right. <laughs> so next we want to talk about uh, it's it's a French show called. Uh, well, it's called uh, Les Revenants, I, th- I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, but the English translation is The Returned. Yep. And speaking of shows I don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when I first started reading about this, it was kind of marketed kind of as a zombie show. Not even kind of, like flat out they said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess a lot of people were saying it. Directly. This is the French version of zombies. Yeah. It, Which apparently means they're just people who are alive that used to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> they're not they're not walking dead. I mean they're not flesh eaters. Something you might expect from like The Walking Dead or uh, you know, any of the like George Romero movies or anything of that nature. These are not the zombies you're looking for. No, these are just they're just people. Like, if, if you didn't know better, you would have no idea these people were ever dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when uh, we got together today to record this, I was actually watching the first episode. You kind of came in in the middle, and it was it was hard to catch you up on it because, to me, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, from what I gathered, there was some kind of event that triggered all these people coming back to life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, like... The people didn't know each other. They hadn't all died at the same time. They had died o- over a different span of time. And for whatever reason, they were all back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they looked the same as they did when they died. You know, they weren't rotting or anything like that. They It was almost like they were ghosts, but they could interact with people. Mm-hmm. You know, this it kind of reminded me of a uh, show I didn't really get into very much, but just the premise. Kind of reminds me of um, uh, the 4400. Yeah. Where, you know, all these people disappeared at different times in time, and suddenly all came back as a big group. You know, everybody else had aged, but they were all the same, and they're just trying to find their place in the world again. It, it, it does sound like a similar premise. Yeah. And I mean, the show's all in French, uh, so kind of subjected to subtitles, uh, which, you know, is off-putting to me. I'm not a big fan of subtitles. Um, but just that disconnect, I think, created a lot of confusion to me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, 
like I said, it's marketed as kind of a zombie show, but has nothing to do with zombies. It's not horror at all. So why are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I felt like, at the time I felt like we had to, and then I actually watched it, and I don't know. This is a public service announcement. Yeah. If you're a horror fan, do not watch The Return. And you know what's so confusing is that it's getting such great reviews. I mean, people just love the show. And I, I think the show itself is actually a year or two old. Uh, it's it's been around for a bit, if I'm not mistaken, which I may be. But um, it, uh, it it was sent to um, Channel 4 in the UK, and they ran it, and apparently got pretty good reviews there, too. And then it just recently, on Thursday, I believe, or maybe Friday, um, started airing on the Sundance Channel here uh, in the U.S., and, yeah, I mean, just, I, I kind of assume the people that really love it are just, like, the really artsy-fartsy type people. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, just people who, like, they feel obligated to say it's good. <laughs> um, but Yeah, I mean, even, like, taking away the fact that it's not horror, so it's not really what I expected, the show just seemed kind of boring. It just seemed to kind of drag on at points. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't explain very much what was going on, yeah. not even like with the dead people, but just in in the storyline. I didn't really know what was going on. Like there was that weird kid mm-hmm. that just kind of followed a lady home and then was like, I live here now. Yeah. And, and she was okay with it. Yeah. She was just like, well, you're a kid I've never seen before. You followed me home off the bus. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> And just, you know, you can stay for now. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know what the fuck is going it's, on. With it's show. just a weird kind of show that doesn't really... And I, I don't see where it's going. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for just uh, posterity and for the benefit of this show, meaning our show, I might watch it. You know, I said I'd probably never watch it again. But I think I might watch it one or two more times just to make sure that I don't like it. Um, and, I don't know, maybe report back on it, see if it gets any better. Because from what I can tell, it looks like each episode might focus on a different person. Like each of the return might might focus on a, on a different character. So but, I might find out what's going on with this kid eventually. Yeah, Um we know that, like, this first episode, it focuses on our little girl, Camille. Uh, she's about 15 years old. Uh, she's a twin, and she goes on some kind of bus trip. I'm not really clear on where she was headed, but uh, I think it was, like, a class trip somewhere, and it the bus veers off of a cliff, and this was four years from, from the current day, um, or before the current day. And so she, you know, in these four years, her family is grieving, um, you know, just trying to come to terms. And especially her twin sister, you know, people always say that twins have some kind of connection, uh, be it psychic or otherwise, they have a connection. So you can kind of feel that this girl may have felt some kind of loss when her sister died, mm-hmm. like maybe more than others may have, just being a twin. 
Um, and so her life seems like it may have kind of spun out of control to a certain extent. And, um, you know, she continued to age, of course. Uh, and this girl that died, Camille, she basically, you see her climb up the edge of this cliff that she fell off of, or, you know, the bus went off of four years ago. She climbs up onto the road and starts walking home like nothing happened. And you find out she doesn't actually know that it's four years later. It's the same day to her. Um, and so she uh, walks home and, of course, you know, her, her family is just stunned. And sure. they, they actually, I think they try to kind of hide the fact that it's been four years from her at first. But then, of course, she encounters her now 19-year-old twin sister, uh, and they have a mutual panic attack. <laughs> anyway, um, so I can kind of see where they're going with the show, I guess, in general, but it's really not... I, I mean, I can I can see why it would appeal to some, it just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, I'm I'm not digging it so far. Like I said, I'll, I'll give it a couple more shots just for the benefit of anybody that's listening uh, that might be interested in it. I'll give it a couple more tries, but I'm not really expecting much. Next, we want to talk about a upcoming movie coming out. I'm not really sure exactly when next year. Um, maybe early sometime. It's, it's It just gave the very generic coming in 2014. Right, right. Anyway, it's a movie called Muck. It's a movie starring Kane Hodder, uh, who, you know, you hardcore horror fans know him probably mainly as Jason, but also as um, Victor Crowley. Victor Crowley from the Hatchet films. And, you know, just kind of a, a mainstay in the horror community. Horror icon. Yeah. Um, you know, arguably the, the best Jason to date. Anyway, he is obviously another um, monster made up, you know, makeup vic- um, villain in this. Yeah, looking at the trailer, I couldn't really tell which one was him. Uh, yeah, it looked like there were several of them. Yeah, all all very made up. They're pretty much just white from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, aside from the the. The, the kind of sucker faces. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, creatures from um, The Descent. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, not not quite as animalistic, I don't think, but... They almost looked like um, Kratos from God of War. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, anyway, can't even really quite grasp the premise of the movie yet. Yeah, the trailer does not explain a lot, and the the website, just, they, they explain it as Evil Dead meets The Hills Have Eyes meets Die Hard. Right. And I could see maybe Hills Have Eyes, and to look at the very simple explanation of the movie, I could maybe see Evil Dead a little bit. I think the Evil Dead Hard. maybe comes from, like, because um, they appear to be trapped in a house. Mm-hmm. And you know, something I read was they, uh, they, after an escape from a from an ancient burial ground or something like that, now they have to, was it fight, f- or flee or no 
fight, die, or go back the way you came. Right. And Which to I me think, seems like an easy choice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we both agreed, go back the way you came is going to... Yeah, there's got to be more to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we discovered this is actually going to be the first movie of a trilogy, but this is the middle chapter. Yeah. The, the second movie is actually the first movie. It's a prequel. Mm-hmm. It's going to be called Oft. Right. That's all I really know at this point. Yeah, I mean, i probably going to explain where these creatures come from, or, you know, these ancient evils as they're described. Um, but I don't know. don't really know much beyond that. Um, we've got uh, the 2012 Playmate of the Year, whose name escapes me at the moment. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't remember. She's in it. And aside from that... So you know there will be gratuitous nudity. Yeah. And, you know, as a lot of you horror viewers know, that can be, at times, a movie's only saving grace. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it definitely looks like something I would want to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Just, and, and it has zero CGI. Yeah. Which is exciting. That's always nice to see. I mean, you, even in a movie like... Um, like the Evil Dead remake, uh, that was almost no CGI, but they used a lot of CGI touch-ups. touch-ups. Yeah. Um, so a movie with absolutely zero CGI, I mean, that's something, you know, as far as horror goes, um, in kind of a wide release, it's something you haven't, we haven't seen in a long time, ever since uh, I think maybe CGI became a little more affordable. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people just start doing it in their in their basements, and uh, just becomes more of a more of a practical thing than practical effects to a certain extent. So, but I don't know. Like, it, it, it looks like it's if nothing else, it's going to be gory as hell. Oh yeah, I think that was actually something they described on their website as just intense gore and just. Uh, I, I can't remember the specific uh, adjective they used, but they basically just said it's going to be intensely violent. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the torture porn genre. Uh-huh. Um, like, I liked the first Hostel. I thought the second Hostel was a little more just just gore for the sake of gore. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping this actually has a decent storyline behind it. Yeah. And that there's a reason for all the gore. But the fact that it does have... A high level of gore excites me. Yeah. And that, that's another thing aside from nudity. is just like if you've got some really good gore in a movie, that can save it. Yeah. Whether, you know, there's bad acting or just a bad premise, gore can really do a lot for a movie. Sure. Um, so it's kind of like you said, just it looks like a movie that I think both of us would be really excited to see. And, you know, for all you listening that just, just love a good gore flick and... Even if it doesn't necessarily make sense, I think you could probably enjoy it. Yeah, hopefully we find out some more info on it, but it, as of right now, it's it's something I want to check out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll keep you guys posted as, uh, as new information comes becomes available. Um, but that's kind of all we know right now, and uh, well, their, got, their website is getthemuckout.com. Right, yeah, go check it out for yourselves and watch the trailer. Yeah, see what you think. I mean, the trailer doesn't really tell you much, but um, 
Oh, it could be interesting. I, I recommend trying to find the Red Band trailer if you can. It's a little different. I think a little more violent. Um, but, yeah, worth checking out this time, I think. All right, we're going to jump into our reviews now. We're trying a, a new format where we're each going to pick a movie each episode. And so that way, um, hopefully you can kind of keep it fresh so we're not watching the movie together and talking about it. And this way we're not just reciting back to you what we said during the movie. Yeah, we find that we both kind of have similar tastes for the most part. And when we have time to kind of discuss it beforehand, we tend to start agreeing a little too much. So I think maybe keep... You know, doing it this way, doing it separately, um, we might keep things, like you said, a little more fresh and uh, a little um, more lively. Yeah, and uh, we won't just sound like we're basically, you know, spouting off, you know, the same thoughts from two different mouths. <laughs> right. Um, so up first is my pick, which is Maniac from 2012. What do you do? Are you an artist? So like I said, this is from 2012, but it's a remake of a movie from 1980, which was done by William Lustig, mm-hmm. um, which the original, not a lot of people know this, but the original was the influence on the song Maniac from mm-hmm. Flashdance. Mm-hmm. The original lyrics were, he's a maniac, a maniac, that's for sure. He'll kill your cat and nail it to your door. <laughs> okay. Which would not have worked in Flashdance. No. No, no. What did you think of this? I loved it. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, I don't know. It, it stars Elijah Wood. He's, he's the maniac. Did they ever say his name? Yeah, oh, Frank. Uh, Frank Zito. Right. Um, it's The movie is weird because the whole thing is done from Frank's perspective. It's all first person. Well, I take that back. It's not all first person. <clears throat> There's <clears throat> random scenes where this camera kind of spins around and you mm-hmm. see what he's doing, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's about... I'd say it's about 99% first person. Sure. Yeah. Which I thought was a little off-putting at first. But then once you kind of get into the flow of the movie, you start, I don't want to say thinking like him, because that's fucked up, but, you know, you kind of, you get the noises that he hears, Uh and, um, like, some of his, like, flashbacks and visions and stuff, so you kind of, you get into his head. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with that, I, I can see what they're going for. I mean, basically, exactly what you just said, that you try to kind of... Get in the in the killer's head a little bit, like uh, you're supposed to be him essentially, mm-hmm. um, which I think is obviously the motivation behind a lot of first person, whether it be um, you know movies or video games, you know first person shooters and things mm-hmm. like that. Those are pretty popular. 
Um, I think that's kind of the motivation behind it. But I was not a fan of it. I I found it very off-putting. It was, I mean, like I I can appreciate a few scenes in a first-person thing. Uh, I mean, they do like you know. <laughs> again, I'll, I'll reference back to uh, Friday the Thirteenth series. They do that a lot when you're trying to see from the perspective, of whether it be uh, Pamela Voorhees or Jason. Um, they do certain scenes in first person, but when you when you've got an entire movie that's all first person, I just I had a hard time kind of engaging myself into it because I, just, I found the whole first person perspective very distracting. I could, I could see that. And it's 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 not like you don't see Elijah Wood either. There's a yeah. lot of mirror scenes where you see his reflection, which at times mm-hmm. I thought seemed tacked on. Mm-hmm. Like there was just an unnecessary point where he would stop and look at himself in a mirror. Yeah, and for me it's like, in what reality are there this many fucking mirrors in the world? Yeah, <laughs> in, in all these convenient spots, you know? At one point he's... Uh, um, kind of involved with this girl and she's got a mirror on her ceiling which obviously some really kinky people do red lucy 86 right um because he meets he meets women on this dating site among other places and he he goes out with them and he his thing is he likes to scalp them Mm -hmm. well let me stop you there why don't you you go and uh, kind of explain the premise a little bit okay so like i said he he meets these different women and he likes to scalp them. He's the owner of a mannequin shop. He restores mannequins. And he... I don't know if he is schizophrenic or what, but he gets these migraines or some kind of pains. And the only way that he can stop them is to kill these women. Mm-hmm. And then he scalps them and takes the scalps home and staples them to the mannequins. Mm-hmm. And that seems to bring the mannequins to life in his mind. He speaks with them, he interacts with them, he sleeps with them, Mm -hmm. whether that means sexually or just sleeping next to them is never really explained. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he meets this girl who he really likes. Her name is Anna, and she's a photographer, Mm -hmm. and they start hanging out, and he he doesn't want to kill her because he likes her so much. Right. And (laughs) what's fucked up is they go out like four or five times... And then afterwards, she gets a text and it's like, oh, it's my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I'm watching that. I'm like, oh, you fucking... I'm going like, to fucking scalper right now. Yeah. It's like, fuck this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in, in uh, something else that's kind of, kind of a crucial part of the story, I think, is the fact that um, through certain flashbacks and just um, kind of visions that he has... You find out that his mother was a prostitute, and it kind of seemed like maybe a drug addict to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and that obviously <laughs> fucked him up quite a bit. Um, yeah, he definitely has um, problems stemming back from his mother. He has delusions of, uh, like, he talks to his mother, even though she's clearly not in the picture, whether she be dead or whatever, but... He, he speaks with her at times. Mm-hmm. Um, he I, I believe he has one mannequin that he speaks to as his mother. Yeah, if I remember right, yeah. Um, and at a certain point when he is attacking a woman, he 
starts addressing her as his mother. Right. Uh, kind of uh, uses her as like kind of a surrogate almost. He tells her, no, you can't go out tonight. You have to stay home with me. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I don't know. Uh, I won't say that I hated this movie because I didn't. Um, I was not a huge fan of it. And I think a lot of that, like I said, was the first person thing. Um, I I could definitely see how that could affect, like, it's it's such a major point in the movie that mm-hmm. it could definitely either make or break it for some people. Yeah. And, I don't know, I, I, I try to be kind of open to different, um, you know, f- uh, cinematic uh, photography, I guess. I try to be kind of open to that. But this was just really not doing it for me. Um and plus, when when you think about the original, you had the character Frank Zito, who, who was you know still the character, uh, who had it, had it played by um, Joe Spinell, who you guys might remember he was uh, Willie Chichi in the Godfather um, mm. series, <laughs> or he was uh, Tony Gazzo from Rocky. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was the gangster that Rocky worked for. Yeah, or the you know the numbers guy. Um, anyway, he, he actually, he wrote and I think produced the original. Um, I I actually didn't know that till recently, but, um, anyway, so you've got this, uh, Joe Spinell, he's, um, he's, he's a middle-aged, uh, kind of overweight, really kind of creepy looking guy. And then you jump to somebody like Elijah Wood. Who's just, he's completely different. I mean, see, I think, uh, I don't think a character like the one from the original would have worked in this version, though, because he meets these women. You know, he meets them online, sends them pictures of himself, and they go out with him because he is an attractive guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you that this modern version, excuse me, um, this modern version wouldn't have worked had it been that old Frank Zito. But the fact that it's a different character, like, you know, you make him, you know, in his early 30s, fairly attractive, you know, you know, in shape. Um, still kind of an off-putting personality, but not quite as off-putting. Um, you, you, you change the entire story. With just that character change, the entire film has changed, I think. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that happens a lot, and it, and it works a lot of the time. But um, I don't know. I think when you got a movie called Maniac, <laughs> and and you kind of take that maniacal frame of mind and personality out of out of it, that I don't know. It, it changed a lot to me, and I, I'm by no means any kind of like um, you know. I don't carry the flag for the original Maniac. I've seen it like once or twice in my life. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess just when it... Well, I, I thought it was a nice balance of updating it and but still staying true enough to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. This movie just really didn't do it for me, I guess. I was, hope, I was hoping for more. Um, what, what did you think of the gore of the effects? Um... They're really good. That, that that did make me cringe a little bit, like when he would scalp people. Because the thing about it is, since you're looking at the point of view of 
the killer, it's no more than an arm's length away at all times. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, it it was very graphic when he yeah. would, when he would scalp uh, someone. Uh, I mean, he'd, he'd use a, a just a typical straight blade. It was like a hunting knife. Well, he had a hunting knife. That's true. He also yes, he also had a straight razor too. Yeah, like he would, it seemed like he would stab people with with the blade with the hunting knife, obviously, but with the straight blade, he would actually mm, yeah scalp them. But um, no, I mean, as far as like effects and you know the, the quality effects, is definitely not lacking in this movie. Yeah, uh, it was very well done. I mean, <laughs> I know that. When he was actually uh, attacking the woman that he kind of um, started thinking was his mother, uh, when he scalped her in particular because she's kind of hogtied on her bed. Yeah, and he like pulls her head back almost yeah. in like a like a camel clutch mm-hmm. and just goes right across the forehead and back. Yeah, and just kind of peels one off. motion. Um, and it was it was pretty gruesome when he did. Uh, was it Red Lucy? Um, when he did her too, because that was really close up. Yeah. Because when he had the girl, Lady Hog tied on her bed, uh, that was one of the scenes where it kind of panned back and it was suddenly mm-hmm. third person again. Um, Although I think that might, wasn't that the reflection in the window? I don't think so. Okay. Because um, I know that part of that scene was done in the window, but I can't remember if the actual, when he actually sculpted her, was part of that or. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was one of the ones where it kind of, kind of flips back. From his perspective, into third person, um, and um, so that, that you know, it's pretty gruesome when, he, when he's scalping her. But the one where he's scalping Red Lucy, that's all first person, mm-hmm. and so like you said, it's no more than arm's length away. And so you just like see like the top of her skull, you know, all the like the the blue and uh, like the, the muscle tendons ripping. Yeah, and- that was. <laughs> it, it almost seemed as if, like, maybe they took like, a cadaver or something, because <laughs> that that was very well done effects. I think it was pretty heinous. This movie is actually banned in New Zealand. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And but I think a big part of it is because it's violence against women. Mm-hmm. Um, this is you know something I noticed at the beginning. Um, you know, we're kind of doing this montage where it's all first person. He's driving around, assumingly. Because it's a lot of traffic shots, you know, a lot of tracking women walking down the sidewalk, a lot of city, um, you know, building sides and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, At first, I thought it was just going to be that opening scene of first person. I was kind of surprised to see the whole movie. Right, because, because the original wasn't. Right. That, that should be mentioned. The original was all third person. There was scenes that were, right? Right. Like not yeah, not yeah. the whole movie. Obviously. Yeah, like when he's stalking someone, it's all, well, yeah. not all, but a lot of times it's first person. But the movie in general is all third person. Um, but in this, uh, like I said, at the beginning of this opening montage, uh, I noticed that there, there were a lot of like French names in the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was maybe one or two French, um, film companies, you know, producers or distributors or whatever. Um, and then I also noticed that a lot of the building signs had French on them. Oh, really? That I did not notice. Yeah. And, um, cause I know it was financed by... French people, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm sure they had a lot of influence over the casting. And yeah, they wanted. and it, it kind of made me wonder: is like, okay, because obviously this movie wasn't didn't take place in France. It, it actually took me a bit, but it was filmed in LA. 
because uh, at one point they walked down to the subway and uh, there was a sign that says uh, "Too Long Beach." So oh, okay. it was down in L.A. somewhere, uh, you know, downtown area. But I thought that maybe it was filmed in France somewhere. But like the architecture in in general, just it, it looked a lot like you know maybe downtown L.A. or New York to to a certain degree. That's strange. Um, yeah, it was confusing. I'm just, like I said, it was obviously didn't take place in France, but I, I couldn't figure out exactly where it was being filmed because I was getting a lot of uh, contradicting shots there. But interesting. Yeah. So, on a scale of one to ten, what would you give it? Um, well, I don't want to rate it too low because it wasn't a terrible movie. Um, but by no means was I uh, really just taken with it. Um, and as far as the general story went, I think it did stay pretty true to the original um, as far as characters and just kind of the, the progression of it. Um, so that I'll take into account. Uh, I'll probably rate it at about a five. Okay. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought it was a good balance of updating, but staying true enough to the original. I liked how they did the end, how it was basically the same end, but they added a little twist to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't spoil that for anybody, but it's, I thought it, it was, it's confusing to some people, mm-hmm. but I mean, when you think about who you're inside the mind of, it kind of, yeah, kind of makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of th- things happening in the end where it's like, okay, this is obviously in his head. This isn't actually happening, but to a certain, at a certain point, it's just like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on here? It was um, kind of like the delusions of an insane person. Right. Um, and I mean, there were some, uh, some kind of repeat characters that were in this one that, they, they essentially didn't make it to the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, I won't reveal who those are, but, um, yeah, like, like, I, you know, I guess we both said that it stayed pretty true to the original, so. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm gonna give it an eight. All right. Well, I mean, if, if you guys are into just kind of, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of a basic slasher, but, a little more avant-garde, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, check it out. Maybe it's your bag. Uh, I mean, obviously, we agree on a lot of things, but we're a little split on this one, so it's kind of a crapshoot. Go check it out. All right, now we're going to go into my movie, and I picked Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. I'm having these dreams. And there's this man. Alright, so as we all know, this is obviously the remake of um, one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Um, if nothing else, most iconic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you've got just the basic Hollywood, or not necessarily Hollywood, but the basic killers. You know, you've got um, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, Leatherface, 
And Freddy Krueger, of course. Uh, nobody, I mean, nobody forgets Freddy Krueger. And sometimes it's he's number one on people's lists. Right. Um, I would say most people would put him top two with Jason. Oh, yeah. Um, or, you know, honestly, I, I can accept that Jason's not for everyone, you know, much to my chagrin. But I think if you do, like, a top two with pretty much anyone, they'll be Freddy. Freddy and Jason. What? Freddy and Jason. Or Freddy just wouldn't be. Yeah, Freddy will always be in the top two, I think. Yeah. Whether, you know, Jason might be easily substituted, depending on the person, could be easily substituted with, you know, like Michael Myers or, or Leatherface. Maybe not Leatherface necessarily, but usually like Michael Myers. Easily subbed in for Jason for certain people. But Freddy, almost always on top of that list. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this movie, the basic story, I guess, is essentially the same. There's a lot of callbacks to the original, uh, but, I mean, I think the biggest mistake that New Line Cinema made was handing this fucking movie over to Platinum Dunes and Michael Bay. Yep. And Marcus fucking Nispel. Um, I, I, <laughs> I mean... Who's the asshole they got to direct it? Um, Samuel Bayer. Okay. And up to that point, this fucker was a music video director. Yeah, his, his number one achievement was the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I fucking hate that video. I mean, I'm not a Nirvana fan, but that fucking video just makes me feel gross. Maybe he, that's what he was going for, but I hate fucking watching it. Yeah. Which I don't think and then, like, there was for. He did some garbage videos. Yeah, I... I well, I mean, looking at his at his history, he he, I think he actually, you know, my favorite band, Iron Maiden, he actually did uh, the video for them for uh, "Wasting Love," and then uh, you know also a handful of others. I mean, I was looking at his list, uh, and he's probably got a couple dozen music videos under his belt uh, from pretty well known bands, and it's like, okay, maybe you're a music video director, but I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing on this movie. I don't know what. Like, how that makes him qualified to helm a story like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, that's that's a classic movie. You need someone who knows the material, who loves the material. And, I mean, maybe he does, but he's... Like you said, he's a music video director, and I don't know what kind of qualifications that gives him to helm something of this magnitude. Well, this son of a bitch had the audacity to come out and say, Oh, well, this movie's not for fan of... Uh, he said he's not, not... The quote was, Look, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, but some of these fans on the web should just get up, stretch, breathe, go outside and get some fresh air, maybe get a girlfriend, and just get a life. They should see the movie and make up their own minds. And then I couldn't find the exact quote, but he also said, This movie is not a fan, or not for fans of the original who just live in their parents' basements. Yeah, you motherfucker. Who the hell do you think you are? This is... This is above you. This is bigger than us all. By the way, people did go and see the movie and form their own opinion, and it sucks. Yeah. It's fucking garbage. God damn it. Okay, so... And by the way, if it's not for fans of the original, why did you include Freddy coming through the wall? Why did you include the bathtub scene? Why are there all these, not just homages, but straight-out scenes from the original? Yeah. I mean, shit that Wes Craven wrote for fans of the original, and he just fucking copied them, like, almost to a T. Um, yeah, like that's you. You put that in because of fans of the original. Mm-hmm. That's who that scene was made for. And this quote to me says one of two things: 
Either one, he knows this movie is a huge pile of shit and doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> or two, he's fucking retarded. Yeah. I'm going to go with the latter. I mean, it's, <laughs> the way he can just speak so indiscriminately, or not indiscriminately, but discriminately, of fans of the original, you know, people that are going to go buy the tickets, uh, I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. Like, I mean, I don't know if just the plan was just to... You know, I guess maybe they thought that they already had those fans of the original built in, that they will see it no matter what. Yeah. And which So so they're trying to appeal to a different generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, like a stupid asshole, I actually went and saw it. And, you know, this is coming from the same production company that made the uh, Friday the 13th remake, which we both loved. Yeah. I mean, that was really good, I thought. I mean, the... The cast I th- was were very good. I mean, Derek Mears, he played great Jason. The good news is Samuel Bayer hasn't directed anything since. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully that was a career ender for him because fuck that guy. But anyway, sure. what a stupid fucking thing to say. Yeah. Fuck. Anyway, so the, the premise of this movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, essentially follows the original. Uh, you got a group of kids who, you know, in the original, they all live on Elm Street, but from what I could tell, the only person for sure that lived on the street was um, Chris. Chris, yes. And I kind of inferred that uh, Nancy lived on it, too. But everyone else didn't. Like, they could have. Maybe, maybe they did. Maybe they it did. Just, it wasn't explained. Yeah. They didn't even attempt to say that. I mean, it's called a nightmare on Elm Street because all the kids fucking live on Elm Street. And, and I don't know who lived in the house. Who lived in 1428? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it ever actually showed. I don't think they did. I don't think it did. I thought maybe it was Chris, but they never actually showed a, an address on the house. So. I'm trying to think the only scene I can think of, of the house is she goes out in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So there would be no house numbers. I can't think of a single scene where they would show the front of the house. Well, there's a scene where she she's walking up to the front door and like her her dog is on the front porch, um, just kind of laying there. Um, See, I thought that was the back. No, I thought that was the backyard. This is the front. No. Anyway, did they have the red door? Hmm? Did they have the red door at least? I can't believe I didn't notice. I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, regardless, anyway, so you've got this group of kids who um, you, you find out that you, you slowly come to come discover that they're all having the same dream about this guy in a red and green, um, just tattered sweater. He's burned, um, burned to a crisp, basically, and he wears a glove with blades on the end of his fingers. And a fedora. And a fedora. Um, they're all dreaming about him, but none of them know who he is. Uh, and basically he starts killing these kids in their dreams. And, um, I think a lot of psychologists will tell you, uh, you know, like a lot of dream experts, they'll tell you that if you die in a dream, a lot of the times your brain will shut your body down and you mm-hmm. die in real life. That's why, like, if you ever have a dream about falling, you very rarely, if ever, will actually hit the ground. Yeah, you, you will wake up when you hit. Um, but anyway, so he starts killing these kids uh, in their dreams, and I did notice that Nancy and Jesse seem to figure it out right away. 
Yeah. Which was strange. It was like, I had this dream about a guy named Freddy. Are you dreaming about Freddy? He's trying to kill us in our dreams. Yeah. How did you get to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, they seem to jump to a lot of conclusions that just happen to be correct. Which is probably a horrible direction. Right. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of like plot holes in this movie. <laughs> um, but Terrible it, directing. Samuel Bear, I'm taking pot shots at you all this whole rest of this episode. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, these kids, they start dying, um, and eventually it's uh, down to Nancy and, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Uh, Quentin. And they're basically trying to get to the bottom of who this Freddy guy is, and it's revealed to them that he was a gardener. He's a gardener, maybe just like a handyman around this preschool that he used to go to mm-hmm. when they were all children. And they can, like all these parents managed to wipe this memory from their minds, you know, their collective minds. And you find out that they told their parents when they were, when they were little children that this man was molesting them. Molesting them, yeah. And, so his parent, or their parents all, and this is actually revealed through one of Quentin's dreams, uh, their parents corner him in a warehouse and then light it on fire. Which, to me, is a little extreme. Like, yeah. in, the, in the original, he was a child murderer, mm-hmm. so they went and killed him so he would stop murdering children. Right. Here, he's a child molester, so they murdered him. Right. <laughs> um, they even say at one point, she's like, we should go to the police. They're like, so our children have to testify? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what you do. <laughs> um, that's just, you know, that's our legal system at work. He'll go away for a long time, don't worry. Um, and so that's the basic premise of the movie. I mean, obviously it's very similar to the original. But a lot of critical changes, I think, like one thing that jumps out at me, almost, well, not necessarily immediately, but when we're about halfway through the movie, I'm really realizing uh, why is Chris, like, the main character in this? Yeah. It's it's weird because, like, Nancy was the main character for pretty much the entire original. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's Chris up until the point where she gets killed, and then it becomes Nancy. Yeah. And Which I don't understand what the point of that was. I don't know. I mean, like, in the original, it actually... I don't remember the, the original character's name, but it's basically the same character as Chris in that... She was kind of the focus at the beginning of the movie, but she actually ends up dying fairly early on. Mm. Uh, she's the one that gets you know dragged across the ste- ceiling, um, which also happens to Chris in this. Right. Um, and it seemed like she was kind of like the main focus, focus, but very quickly the gears kind of changed and the focus is more on Nancy. And that's where we kind of see our main character, our hero. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it's not to say that that doesn't actually happen in this movie. It just seems to take longer. Yeah. It, it seems like the movie's almost over when when we actually see... Uh, like they didn't think Rudy Mara could carry it or something. Is that, like they didn't think Rudy Mara could carry the movie. <laughs> yeah. Which, I I like her. I, I think she's a really good actress. Yeah, um, I mean, she... Did well, I thought. And, you know, something I noticed was that uh, she, as opposed to the Nancy in the original, she was much more 
Well, I mean, to begin with, she's much more cynical. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of got like a like a little bit of a darker personality, I guess. She's not as kind of you know bubbly as the original Nancy. Definitely. Um, and she kind of steps up as a hero, sort of, or heroine. Um, she kind of steps up quicker and more aggressively, I think. Um, so I like that about her. I mean, you know, uh, anybody that's seen her in the um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake, I mean, you know, she, she's a great actress. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I like her, and I thought she did a really great job, and she was kind of uh, the uh, one of the few beams of light from this movie. <laughs> um, the, yeah. the biggest change from the original was obviously Freddy's makeup. Mm-hmm. In the original, he's still got these horrible burns and open sores, and the skin is just kind of hanging on, and there's exposed muscle. And this one, they wanted to make him look more realistic. They wanted him to look like a burn victim. Yeah, as opposed to him having actually, like, sections of his skin, like, burned off. They wanted to make him look more like his skin had melted. Because when, when a person is burned very severely, their skin just kind of becomes very smooth, almost looks... Um, like plastic um, and loses a lot of its color just kind of becomes one basic color and you know the skin becomes mostly scar tissue at that point too yeah exactly and so I think that's what they're going for this movie but I I can appreciate the um, ambition but this is a, a classic horror movie character well not only that what gets me is that he looks the way that someone would look if they were horribly burned and lived. Mm-hmm. He didn't live. He died. So his skin would not heal. Right. Yeah. He, he should look the way he did the moment he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not a burn victim. I don't know any burn victims. But I could see how that might be a little offensive. The way it was in the remake? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because, you know, presenting basically a burn, burn victim as a terrifying monster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure, like, the original Freddy was lacking that realism, uh, but at least it's like you were having, you know, third-degree burn victims, or is if, if there's a fourth-degree, I don't know. People that are in the burn ward, <laughs> yeah. they're not watching that saying, oh, well, they're, you know, they're trying to... Yeah, I'm going to leave the hospital everyone's going to call me Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And, I don't know. I mean, this was just a bad fucking idea. This whole movie... Kind well, of and the execution was... I mean, you know, no offense to any burn victims. I don't... Like you said, I don't know any burn victims personally. But the way that Freddy came across, he looked like a frog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, his lips were gone. And it just... His mouth kind of over kind of stuck out and kind of overlapped itself. Mm-hmm. And it just it just didn't work. Yeah. And Jackie Earl Haley, like, I love him. I think he's a fantastic actor. I think he did as great a job as someone could have uh-huh. with this role. But he's five foot five. Mm-hmm. He's the size of most children. Yeah. And that's the thing, is like somebody like um Robert England, who I believe is like six one. Uh, I think he's actually only like five nine. He's not Super tall. Well, okay. R- regardless, he's got some height on him. He's you know he's taller than you know a lot of women, mainly I guess. 
uh, you know, he, he can present himself in kind of an intimidating way. Okay, so yeah, he is 5'9". Um, he, he, he has that extra height that gives him a little bit of more of an intimidation factor. And, um, you know, he, like, like you said, Jackie Earl Haley, great actor, but he's 5'5". Five, five. He, he, he doesn't, you know, when you've got somebody that's looking eye to eye with you, yeah. you, you automatically don't find them as much of a threat it's if you're I'm looking actually kind of surprised them. that Robert England is only 5'9", because on the screen he is very menacing. He's mm-hmm. very, like, they make him appear much bigger. Yeah. And, you know, that's... that's and, kind of, they may have been able to do that with Jack Hill Haley, but, again, it's just shitty directing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think just this whole overhaul they did with Freddy, I mean, down to the actor, I mean, like, it's like we were talking about Hellraiser earlier. It's it's a little odd to kind of recast the same person, but when you've got a character that's so iconic, you know, it's hard to say, oh, we can't get that guy again. Um, but when you've got a character that becomes so iconic and just has a look about him, it's played by a certain person, when you get some, when you get a different actor, regardless of their talent themselves, and then you completely overhaul them, I mean, it's just dumb. <laughs> you're, you're just asking for criticism. Yeah. I mean, you want a movie that's going to appeal to the widest audience you can get. And when you change so many things that, you know, it's like uh, the asshole director, he could say, you know, he could say, oh, this is not for fans of the original. It's like people still fucking know what Freddy looks like. Yeah. They know, he, he, like I said, he's iconic. They, they know his look. They know what he sounds like. And when you change everything about him, I mean, aside from the, um, you know, the knife glove and the, the sweater and the fedora, I mean, that's really all you have left is uh, how he looks and his voice. And they changed both of those. Well, they changed his personality a lot, too. Yeah. And like, I mean, in, in the first Nightmare on Elm Street... Freddie wasn't as much of a joker as he became in some of the later movies. Mm-hmm. But he was still, he was very sarcastic. Yeah. He, he was a jokester. And then this one, he's very serious. And he's kind of an asshole. There's there's one little joke where, like, he kills the dog and he says, oh, I just wanted to pet him. <laughs> yeah. And he just kind of laughs at his own joke because it wasn't funny. Yeah, and that, that was another thing. It was, uh, like like I said, he, in this movie, he's just kind of an asshole. As opposed to the original Freddie, like, like you said, he became very sarcastic and kind of a joker. You know, it, it almost seemed like he was kind of having a good time with what he was yeah. doing. But in this, he was kind of a serious and he was just a dick. He he, he kind of had dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the thing with the dog or like he when he, he stabs the guy and he tells him um, the human brain keeps functioning for seven minutes after the heart stops. We got six more minutes to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they tried to do the him scissoring his fingers together, like that was going to become like the new thing. Like yeah. you hear that, you know, Freddy's coming. It, it just it seemed tacked on, mm-hmm. and like the sparks that would shoot out when he would drag his fingers across a pipe. Yeah, like and it, but the, the sound effect that it made was like fireworks. Yeah, it wasn't just kind of sound like yeah, which didn't make any sense. Um, another thing, like I actually should have addressed this earlier, was his voice. Um, I mean, address it in a little more detail. He, to, to Jack Haley's 
credit, he tried to kind of capture the voice of a real bird victim. You know, they obviously when you inhale smoke and you know red hot air, uh, obviously you're that's going to do damage. Yeah, your your voice box, your you know your larynx and your your esophagus obviously becomes very damaged, very scarred, and so your vo- voice becomes very rough and smoky. Um, and so he actually, I, I believe he either he just did some very deep research and like I think he maybe even like went and spent time with burn victims to try and capture that voice. And it's like, dude, no. I mean, even off, on the off chance that somebody's going to find that offensive, it just sounds stupid. Yeah. It doesn't sound intimidating. It sounds like you're sick. <laughs> or it sounds like, you, you know, you're, you're a, a two-pack-a-day smoker or something. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's not intimidating in the least. Um, you should have just kind of kept that, I don't know, almost cackly type voice that Robert England had. Yeah. Um, it's like, or just gone full on Rorschach with it. There, yeah. Well, that, that's another thing. It's like they, they adjusted his voice with CG, or with, um, uh, audio effects. They had actually adjusted his voice beyond what he was already doing to make him sound less like Rorschach <laughs> and, and give him more, I think I read, Actually, somebody's quoted as giving him le- or more of a supernatural sound. I don't even know what that means. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> put an echo on his voice? <laughs> supernatural? Um, I don't know. It's a f- There's so much bad about this movie. And then you've like, got the fact that he's a child molester instead of just a child murderer. Right. That is something that I was, like, the minute I walked out of the theater from seeing this, you know, back uh, in 2010... Uh, then I walked out of the theater. I'm like, "What the fuck? You mean you make you made Freddy f- from just a violent killer into a into a pervert?" You know? Yeah. And th- this movie doesn't like it doesn't have the sense to do that well. Mm-hmm. It's it's not smart enough for that. It just it just kind of comes off as like somebody's perversion almost. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the writers or probably the fucking director. The fucking director. <laughs> um, and um, so it's like, in the original, he was coming after these children to get revenge on their parents. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's coming after the children to get revenge on the children because they told on him. Right. And it also, what's really weird is this movie, for a good portion of it, puts a seed of doubt in your mind of maybe Freddy's innocent. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's... I mean, I don't know how you felt about that. I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought it was interesting, but at the same time, you shouldn't feel sympathy for Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I mean, I guess by the time that became a possibility, I was so disconnected from the original movie that I just didn't even think of it. Um, Because even though it's basically the same premise, the same general story... There's so much different about it that you, it's a completely different film. Um, which some may say is a good thing, but when you're trying to remake one of the classic, iconic horror movies of our time, you should maybe stick a little closer to the, the base material. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something that irked me, and I have no, absolutely no doubt it irked you too, was just the excessive use of CGI. Oh, yeah. Like, case in point, the rubber wall. Oh, my God. Which is not a rubber wall in this one. It's 
a scene out of the Fragners. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's such a simple practical effect to take a sheet of rubber, maybe, th- you know, throw a paint job over it, um, and have somebody push their face into it. Simple. Yeah. Cheap. E- yeah. Easy peasy. Or even a section just kind of blend it into the rest of the wall or something. It doesn't have to be a full wall of it. But no. Apparently the, the smart thing to do was take that effect, make it digital, and make it look cheap and fake. Yep. Uh, I mean, that, that, that kind of, kind of became one of the mainstays in the Nightmare on Elm Street series was there's a lot of that you know, rubber effect to where, you know, um, Freddy pushes his image into something that's yeah. typically, you know, flat or, you know, like a solid surface or something, whether it be a wall, um, he did it, uh, to a TV in Dream Warriors, mm-hmm. like he pushed his head up through the top of the TV, um, in, uh, New Nightmare, he does it, uh, uh on uh, bed sheets. Yeah. Um, so that's just, that's kind of like Freddy's thing. And they just basically took it and fucked it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what, what gets me is they, they tried to get the details of his face in the CGI, mm-hmm. but there's like these chunks taken out of his skin, which is the original Freddy and not this Freddy. They mm-hmm. put in details of the original Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's just, when you when you take something that means so much to such a broad audience and you try to change it to where it appeals to a completely different audience, you you turn your back on those original people and you make them bitter. So I just don't know what could have possibly been going through their heads when they did that. I don't know. Because you want to, you want to have the biggest audience possible, and mm-hmm. you, the way to do that is not to alienate the old audience and make a new one. Yeah, you want to have the old and the new together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there. I guess one good thing about this movie is, is it did have a pretty good cast. I think. Yeah, it was uh, well acted. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, Rooney Mara. Uh, you've got. Um, Thomas Thomas Decker, who uh, people might know him from the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That, that's how I know him. That's where I first saw him. Um, Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Um, Kyle Gallner, who, I don't know, he's not a big name, but you've seen him in a handful of movies. He was on one episode of Walking Dead this season. Yes, he was. Um, uh, Katie Cassidy, who's you know David Cassidy's daughter, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she's... Kind of, I don't know. I think she's making a name for herself in TV. I think right now she's on uh, Arrow. Oh, okay. Uh, she plays uh, Laurel Lance um, and uh, Clancy Brown, who uh, God, you might know him from like Pet Cemetery. He does the voice of Mister Krabs <laughs> in SpongeBob. Um, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you I mean a handful of uh, you know well-known actors. Well, good actors. Too. Good actors, yeah. I mean, there wasn't... Except for Thomas Decker, I think he's fucking garbage. <laughs> but, um, yeah, people, they were really de- committed to the role. I mean, like, there wasn't a person that I just 
was like, no, I, I, you're playing this all wrong. I don't, I don't see it. Um, I mean, even down to like the parents, they, they like um, Clancy Brown. He plays Quentin's dad, um, and he, I think he may be like a like counselor or, or principal at school. Um, Did you mention Connie Britton? No, Connie Britton. Yes, from um, American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. She was the mom. That's Nancy's mom. Right, right. Um, so great cast. I mean, they, that that's one nail they hit on the head. It's just they really got a good cast together. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that that's something positive that can be said about the movie. Um, but you know, you, you you can't make a good movie just on a good cast. The good cast needs good de- direction, good writing, and that's just something that the two two marks that were missed by a mile in these in this movie. Yeah. Um, and you know something you mentioned earlier was there was uh, the director was trying to say that he was trying to direct this not towards fans of the original, but then why the hell were there so many things from the original in the right. movie? I you know as a fan of the original, I I appreciated a lot of those. I thought that when you've got a shitty movie like this. Um, and you start to, like I said, get kind of disconnected from it. It kind of pulls you back. It's like it's like, oh yeah, that's what right, I'm watching. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of appreciated that as as a fan of the original. Um, so wrapping up, one to ten. Oh God, you know I don't even have to think about this. And I think after this review, as maybe jumbles it may have been, it's kind of all over the place. I think you guys can understand why I give this movie a two. Okay. Um, you know, one thing I will agree with Samuel Bear on is this movie was not made for fans of the original. Um, or I wouldn't want to say it wasn't made for fans of the original. It's not for fans of the original. Because if you are a fan of the original, you'll probably hate this movie. Um, I'm thinking about my past reviews, and I, it's definitely worse than Carrie, but I don't think it's as bad as Night of the Demons. <laughs> so I'm going to go in the middle of those two and say three. All right. Well, that's all we got for you guys this week. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks uh, again for tuning in. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know. I, f- I felt a little more disorganized this week, but a little bit. But I, I think we did okay. Yeah, we did a little change of venue when we were recording too. So I think that kind of took us out took us out of our element a little bit. But uh, anyway, so I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode for you. Um, make sure you check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus. You can get all the information on our website, graveplotpodcast.com. Feel free to email us at graveplotpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, leave us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Yeah, if you have any movie reviews you want to do, so send them in. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we can't do all the work, damn it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we're... Really waiting for some feedback from you guys and let us know how you how we're doing. Um, so, yeah, drop us a line. Let us know what's up, and uh, we'll just uh, see you guys again in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Yeah, take care, guys. <laughs>